Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hi, it's me, David Mustaine, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Nice story. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode number 95, and we're talking about the year 1992. We sure are. I When we were doing this year series, I kind of look ahead a little bit. And of course, as we all know, the boys went on the never-ending Black Album tour. Mm-hmm. It's still happening. Um, yeah, it's 2018, <clears throat> and uh, they're still touring. Yeah, they... they just released, um, yeah, Don't Tread on Me is the sleeper single. Yeah, it's kind of a deep cut, but it's the new single. But looking ahead at the, I think I was just looking at tour dates, and you know we try to look ahead and see what notable things happen because sometimes we have to combine some years, right? If the boys were inactive or just touring, and of course they just toured their butts off this whole year. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised to see when I was doing some research that a lot of stuff happened. So we're going to talk about all that. Yeah. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we are an all Metallica podcast. My friend Ethan and I are two professional touring musicians in Nashville. We make time every week, just like we're doing right now. Here we are to uh, to talk about our favorite metal band. Yeah, Metallica is easily my favorite meta- metal band of all time, and they have been mm. for most of my life. You almost said it's your favorite Metallica. Metallica, well, coincidentally, uh, are also my favorite Metallica. Of all the Metallicas in the world, they're my favorite. Sure. Yeah. Now today, I have to go get on a bus at four to go travel. You're about to leave to go celebrate your big four O birthday. My big four O birthday. Uh, as this episode comes out, my birthday is tomorrow, technically. On, it's on Tuesday the 16th. Where are, you guys, where are you guys going? We're going to Blue Ridge, Georgia. Cool. And uh, we've been there before. It's awesome. And I, finally, in the southeast here, uh, the temperature is changing tonight. The cold front is coming through. Good. Fall will be here. Thank I was just thinking today, Lord. like we, it was walk your kid to school day, and my wife and I got up early and walked our kid to school. And I was thinking, like, God damn, for October, for the second week of October, it's... Uh, it's, it's it's still too warm for me. It's. I mean, it was muggy yesterday. I know. Still. I mean, that is rare for now. It doesn't always happen like that. I've, I remember one of the time where that happened. But I'm excited that while we're in the in the mountains at a cabin on a river, I can like make fires and dress warm, and it's gonna be awesome. I will say, like, you're a California born and bred cat. I'm a California minded person, right? Uh, who happened to just sort of be stuck in the South my whole life. But I will say, the South, there's a lot of beauty here. It was like oh, yeah. you're going to this cool, quaint place in Georgia. I just went to Asheville yeah. on a vacation. Oh, yeah. Tennessee's beautiful. I mean, it it's is, cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. I grew up around in, in California. Obviously, like being by the ocean is always great. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful parts of the desert, but like I, I love living out here. Where especially in Nashville, where we're so centrally located on this half of the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's like within a seven or eight hour drive, you can be in so many amazing places. Dude, it's no big deal. You just traded the beautiful ocean view and the nice, cool temperatures. So you could come live near some bigotry, some racism. Yeah. The uh, the occasional rebel flag. Oh, yeah, love the it. The occasional South Will Rise Again uh, tag on the car. Yeah, love that. Those lovely things. Love the, um, what's his name? What's the statue on I-65? The One of the founders of the KKK. Um, uh, I like Stonewall Jackson? No, it, it's... Uh, I know he didn't Wallace found the KKK. Or something. I don't know. Anyways, I it's a... Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's And it's on private land, so they can't just t- tell him to tear it down. 
So it's just sort of displayed for everyone. They're just, they're, they're just yep. shoving their hatred down everyone's And what's great throat. is at some point, I want to say it was earlier this spring or something, someone, probably in the middle of the night, I can only guess, hopped the fence and covered it in pink paint. Nice. <laughs> for breast cancer awareness. Exactly, yeah. Uh, here's the deal. We are on iTunes and Patreon, and uh, people have been asking since really early in the show how they could help support the show. It's a labor of love. Ethan and I have other jobs, and we, you know, we really find time out of our music schedules and our family schedules to do this and so we have this really cool thing called patreon you're gonna hear about it later it's where you basically support the show financially if you can't do that which i totally get by the way um i've been in a lot of situations where i was literally too strapped to to do something like yeah that. of course but yeah. what you can do is you can leave an itunes review a positive itunes review and you can tell your buds about it yeah spread the word spread the word if on social media or if you just got a metallic friend in your community maybe it's just you and that person and that's it. Maybe you guys meet up every once in a while to Starbucks and talk about the merits of Lulu. I don't know. It may, it's very possible. But tell them about, about the show. <laughs> we got some new patrons this week. You want to read our new yeah, patrons? Yeah, I would love to, man. We got Jeffrey White, Peter Lynch, and Thomas Grace. Thank you, guys. Thank, we're going to wow. clap again. Yeah, yeah this why is for them. Why wouldn't we? Why, would why we wouldn't not? we clap for them? It seems so right. You guys are going to hear all about that later, but we did want to say thanks to them. We're on all the socials. Let's not even say what they are. You, you know what social media is. So go, go find, find us. It. We're yeah. pretty active on on most of those. Mm-hmm. So if you want to interact with Ethan and I on a daily basis about whatever the fuck, we're all over there. Another yeah. special thing we've been doing with the great, the great Experiment. The Great Experiment. Is we are now filming our episodes. We're filming this one right now. We can wave and say yeah. hi to Hello. The, the good Hello. people. And uh, these are going to be coming out for the patrons a week before. Mm-hmm. Or wait, how do I how do I say this right, Ethan? Uh, they're going to get the video the same day as the episode drops. Everyone else can see it a week later right. on YouTube. So you basically get access to premium content before anyone else can. Mm-hmm. There we go. There it is. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out for our party. Yeah, I'm we're, excited. Com- we're, we're getting close enough to where we need to start reminding people. Yeah. So if you're planning on coming to the Metallica show in Nashville, January 24th at Bridgestone Arena. We and are I throwing, am, by the way. I am. We are throwing a like a Metallica pre-party slash second anniversary party for our podcast, and it's going to be a good time. Um, we're, the Cobra has already got us locked and locked and loaded for that date. They know we're coming. I gave old Matt a heads up down there that it's going to be probably at least twice the amount of people because we've gotten a lot of people email us that they're saying they're coming to the party Absolutely. and the show. So if you're listening and you're planning on coming to the Nashville show, the bar is called The Cobra. It's in East Nashville. Book your hotel, book your Airbnb, whatever, and um, it's going to be a good time. And take a lift and Uber because it's going to get crazy. If you need want to hear how crazy it can get, go listen to our <laughs> first anniversary party recap, um, and you can hear the state I'm in. Name that riff contest. Oh, you're just a you're just a guy. You're just a nice looking guy in a nice looking suit. You're welcome. Is Becca at the bar? Is Becca here? Hey, Becca, can I have a screwdriver, please? Samuel L. Jackson special. Tell it to the Reader's Digest. Hello, Clint. Now, Clint, keep an eye on them for the, the horns going up, because I'm watching this. I've been drinking since 5. I cannot see anything. Okay, great. Clint, we we keep a tally on how many they get right. Do I, I, do I have to write things down? All you, all you have to do. No, hang on. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah, Clint went for it. <laughs> I did. I was kind of nervous. I was kind of nervous, I yeah, think. Yeah. And um, 
What's cool is, you know, like the podcast is such a big part of our lives now, obviously more so a year later than the last one. Right. So many of my friends who are just interested in it are going to, who want to celebrate it with me are going to be there. I think my wife yeah. is going to come and a lot of my band guys are going to come. A lot yeah, of people yeah. I write songs with. So same. I think it's going to be fun. Oh yeah. It'll be a great time. And we're, we're going to have some merch for sale there too. We'll set up a little merch booth. So if you guys have not gotten a t-shirt through our website or, or whatever, yep. we'll have like shirts and patches, stickers, all that stuff. If you guys want to support that for the Metallica I show. I think we might even life. make like a, uh, an anniversary party shirt, like a event specific shirt. We can do whatever we want. We literally can do whatever. I mean, the fuck this we is want. our podcast, and this is America. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. Yeah, you know what I mean. I ate a fucking huge bowl of French fries this morning mm. because that, it's America. That's your, that's your right. I, I I've earned it. You have. By not controlling where or when I was born. <laughs> uh, we like to check in with the Metal Gear Podcast family. We, we have, do. We're, it, it's such an honor. It's such a cool thing to have cultivated a, uh, a community of people that we share this music with and our lives with. And so we get a shit ton of e- We really do. We get a shit ton of emails. Yeah. I answered about 35 last night. And a shit ton is a lot. And there's it. still maybe 25, 30 more. So yeah. we'd like to read some on the show, check in. So we'll do that now. Let's go to the email corner. I'm ready. All right, our first email is from our longtime listener and good friend, Gene Froman. She says, just listen to the Lightning episode. Great commentary. It's a good reminder of uh, what an insane musical journey Kirk takes us on in this record. Lightning is and has always been my number one in the catalog. Nice. Gene. Well, you're, you're like-minded with Clint. Yeah, and you know she's a big Kirk fan. Like yeah. She has kind of an affinity for Kirk, and I share that. I mean, and she's right. That's a... I think he kicks ass on pr- pretty much everything in the '80s, and definitely Black Album. I think I think he kicks ass all the, throughout. Yeah, he yeah. didn't have a lot of opportunity on Saint Anger, but the jump from Kill 'Em All to R- Ride the Lightning is so fucking sick. Oh, it's it's crazy, and we talked about it on that episode too. Where I mean, a, lo- a lot of Kill 'Em All, he was kind of just playing Dave's solo, so he had already written, right? And maybe adding a little bit, you know, here and there to him. But Ride the Lightning is that's Kirk's moment to really come out as the lead guitar player. In the band. And I got to say, I prefer I prefer the solos on Ride the Lightning. I yes. like the solos in Kill 'Em All, but sure. if I had to choose one, yeah, honey, what are your Desert Island solos? Oh, Desert Island, honey, is it going to be Ride the Lightning? Or Fade is it to be Black, I would listen to it at sunset. Oh, when the when, every day when the sun makes the colors on the water. Oh, gorgeous! I love it. Beautiful. Our next email is from Cyrus, who says, "Hello, brothers," but he says it in the. There we go. Let's do it. Hello, brothers. There we go. I just can't do it. I can't do it in a believable way. It, it hurts in the morning sometimes. <laughs> hey, it's a small price to pay, though, dude, hey, for impersonating hey, I just, the Hulkster. I just, I just did it, man. I watched some Hulk Hogan matches this morning, too. So. Sorry says, guys, the episode 94 Ride the Lightning episode was awesome. One of my favorite albums as well. It was also very cool to hear how much you guys love it, too. Humming along and just getting into it, as I'm sure the rest of us were. I also really like the play-by-play analysis. Sorry, Clint, another sports term. Hey, sports. Hey, you know what? Let's carry that ball to the end zone. That's right. With the metaphor. Look at you being all sporty. Listen, I don't want to be too dramatic here, but the bases are loaded, and we're in the bottom of the ninth inning. Let's hit that home run. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what's been one of my big pet peeves is when art artist types, and I'm guilty of it, but like when I was a kid, of artist types like intentionally getting sports references wrong. Right. Oh, what is that? Uh, touch A touch pass? Oh, and people go like, oh, I don't watch sports ball. Yeah, I hate that shit. I, I, yeah, you know a, it's, it's called a, it's fucking annoying. football. It's annoying. It's it's. 
I was thinking about this the other day. Like I was just sort of mindlessly watching an NFL game. Yeah. It's kind of comforting to do that. Sure. Do you follow yeah. football? Not really. I'm, I've never really been a big football fan. It's, I've never been a a, a, a foot a, a foos a, a foos a, sport a guy. Football fan. I was just thinking about what a huge part of Amer- like American culture the NFL and ba- and baseball are. Yeah. Hey, baseball's America's pastime, man. Have you seen that Ken Burns documentary? Yes. It's it's eight, eight, un- eight parts. Unbelievable. There's a great documentary. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix or not. Um, it's called Fastball. Saw it. It's awesome. There's another great one about uh, Kurt Russell's dad. The, the Oh, the sp- battered the, bastards of baseball. He, they tried to start like a minor league team in, in Washington. O- in Oregon. Yeah. In Oregon, yeah. yeah. Anyway. That's a great one. Um, Cyrus <laughs> goes on to say... Uh, the key changes in the oh, so he says he likes the play-by-play of the key, key changes in time signatures that we went through. Right, yeah. Uh, he says those are the things I never really think about, but it's super cool to hear from you guys. Reminds me of high school band class all over again. LOL. Awesome. Except we get laid. Yeah, we Ooh. do. <laughs> 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 we get laid sometimes. Awesome show, guys. Keep it up. Cyrus, Durango, Colorado, New Jersey. P.S. I won't be making it to the Salt Lake City show, which he told us he might. He says, my wife let me pick up. He says, wife gave him the option to either go to the show or get a new bass. He's getting the Schechter Omen four-string. Ooh. Can't wait to play with it. Uh, Gotta wait till Christmas. Well, I have many times had to make decisions between pieces of gear and something like a concert. Yeah. And I will say, as, as, uh, as wonderful it is to see the boys in action... That bass is something you can play every day for the yep. rest of your life. You can play for who the bell tolls for the rest of your life. Well, boo, 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 ba, do, boo, boo, ba, Thanks, Cyrus, for the email. Next email is from Jason Bowden. He says, hey, guys, uh, enjoying the latest episode. Thanks for not deleting that. Ha, ha, ha. He's <laughs> talking to you. It's my new outlaw torn. Uh, do you think the slow outro and anti-solo on bells was in some way inspired by the slow outro solo on Kiss's Black Diamond. Wow. That'd be my, more of a Clint question. He's a big Kiss dude. You know what? Um, you want to hear that? So what, there is a big... So Black Diamond, it's on the first Kiss record, but it's one of their big songs. Yeah. You, you never heard... I probably Out have. Out on the streets for I've probably heard it. So Paul Stanley does the big slow intro, but then it's a Peter Chris song. He has this oh, okay. great rock and roll Rod Stewart voice. Yeah. And there is a big solo, but then at the end they do this big thing, and then live, Peter Chris's drum riser would rise all the way up to the top of the room. Awesome. And back in the day when they were kind of like faking it till they made it, they actually had roadies that were just cranking it. Cranking that thing up, just like yeah. on, a, on a manual scissor lift. That's crazy. And it is a cool moment because it is kind of an anti-solo. I know the boys are KISS fans, and they lobbied for KISS to get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Yeah, when they got inducted, which ended up happening several yeah. years later with or without the influence of Metallica. Hard to say if that was an influence. It would be a great question for James if they were influenced by KISS, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, it really would be. Um, he uh, goes on to finish his email by saying, until today, I'd never given it uh, much thought, but when Ethan pointed out the time change, the Black Diamond outro came to mind. Food for thought, peace. Cool. Uh, thank you, Jason. That's a nice email. Thanks, dude. Our next email is from Liam Boston Bow. I'm suddenly worried about that. Should I put my phone on airplane? Should we just see if it happens again? Let's see if it happens again. And then It's because we're in the age of the fucking robocall. Yes. <laughs> Well, just I get like twenty five phone calls a day. Oh, you mean like spam calls? Yeah, robo oh, a, ro- yeah, yeah. a robotic yeah. fake call. Yeah, I answer. I was in a. I was writing right here in this room the other day with a band called The Heels, this group of chicks, and I got one, and we, I was just like, "This is just fucking insane," and they were like, "Just answer it," and I answered it, and it was a. It was an actual person, but it was so weird, dude, because she just kept pile driving like. 
hi, this is Sarah. I'm calling on behalf of your inquiry about health insurance. I was like, hey, I never called anyone about health insurance. And she just bulldozed over it. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't a recording. Right. She just They'll had that, a script, yeah. you know. And I was like, hey, you're not listening to me. I never, I have insurance. Yeah. I've not inquired about insurance. Yeah. And she just kept bulldozing and bulldozing until I finally was like, hey, this is insane. Yeah. And she hung up on me. It's crazy. I had one, uh, I, I get these often, and <laughs> the few times that I've actually answered them, it'll be like, Hi, we're uh, we're here to talk to you about your your car uh, your your car's warranty, and I go, oh, really? My car's warranty? They're like, yes, sir. And I go, you mean for my '97 Forerunner? And then they just click, they just hang up. We're here to talk to you about your collection of German pornography. You're like, keep going. Do tell. Yes, and you had me at German. Our next email is from Liam Boston Bow. It says, "Hi guys, I'm a new listener from Australia. Yeah, mate. And I just wanted to say that you guys rock. Yeah, man, we rock. It's always cool hearing an album you already love through new eyes, and the way you guys deliver your show is always informative and enjoyable. Hmm. I just had one quick question: Why do you think they chose to record a year and a half in the life of Metallica when they did? This is prescient for our episode today. Yeah, maybe not prescient, maybe relevant." I'm getting my toilet paper word of the days confused here. <laughs> uh, for instance, what if the Black Album had totally failed commercially and critically? Would the documentary have been less amazing? Or was it just a complete coincidence that the album they chose to document the making of turned out to be their biggest? Thanks, heaps, Liam. Um, I think, I mean, they were going to record a documentary regardless. I, th I think maybe it might have been a little, you know, premeditated as in Lars and the boys were like, we're doing something completely different. Like, people are either going to love it or hate it. Like, let's document this, the whole process. I think they knew it was the shit. I mean, I think they did, but, you know, you can't predict, like, is this going to sell what it sold? I think they knew. I mean... Well, Larsa said they knew that they had something really special. Yeah. So, I mean, why not document that? Now, yeah. hypothetically speaking, if the Black Album was a failure, I think it still would have been a very entertaining documentary. Absolutely. You know? We'll look at some kind of monster. It would have been the same exact documentary. That's the thing. The only difference would have been the outcome of the album. What's crazy, well, I mean, but it's, yeah, but it's like we have an affinity for the documentary because we love the song so much. Yeah. But look at St. Anger, though. Right. I don't like that record at all. That documentary is amazing. Really, really tough record, but one of the greatest documentaries about the making yeah. of a record ever. I think if a documentary is done right and done well, no matter the content, if there's a little bit of a story to tell at, at all, you mm -hmm. can make a great documentary. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, next email is from Metal Maniac. Hey. Oh, it's Frederick Laws from Sweden. Sweden. Let's give it up for yes, Sweden. Yes, Sweden. 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 All right. Uh, where was I? Uh, hi, this is Frederick Lars from Gothenburg, Sweden again. I've been listening to your show since the beginning, and I still love it. Um, your latest episode on Ride the, Light, on the Ride, Ride the Lightning album was epic, and I just wanted to share some Facts about the uh, song Trapped Under Ice, which is one of their most uh, underestimated songs, according to me. Um, the main uh, verse riff is originally from an old Exodus song called The Impaler. That's a cool song title. Very metal. Um, oh, yeah. The Impaler, Impaler uh, was, was never recorded, so Kirk brought the riff to Metallica. Exodus did, however, record this song on their album uh, Tempo of the Damned from, from 2004, where we hear the Trapped Under Ice riff in the bridge uh, at about 1.15 into the song. So if you haven't heard The Impaler, you should listen to it. It's a great song, and it really has that old 80s barrier thrash vibe to it. Keep the metal flame burning. Do you think that the tempo of The Damned is more of a doom sludge tempo? Or is it Is it 190 BPM? Tempo of The Damned? I don't know. It's, what is the tempo of The Damned? It's I don't know. 
What would you guess it would be? I'm going to guess it's like pretty quick. Yeah, fast. It's a fast tempo. It's a fast damnation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was the emails. If you want to email the show, first of all, we're going to personally respond to you. We always do, even if we get backed up. Second of all, we might even read it on the goddamn show. It's fairly arbitrary. We yeah. just sort of go through and pick them. We love hearing from you regardless. Metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. And let's get out of the email corner. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios. Now, I wanted to do something before we jump into Metalliland. Okay, what do you want right? to do? It is no secret that I couldn't give a hot fuck about Megadeth because I've said it publicly. Right, right, right. Uh, now, I do want to point to a nuance here. It is well documented also on the show that I give Dave Mustaine a lot of credit for what he's accomplished with Megadeth. Sure. And Metallica. Um, and Metallica. Some of the songs that he is a part of are some of my favorite songs in Metallica. Yeah. Now, we get a lot of, whether it's tweets or Instagram posts or even emails of people lightheartedly, playfully, giving me a hard time, yeah. telling me I need to listen to Meg. Dude, you, you got it. You have to listen to Rest in Peace. I'll give a quick shout-out to, a, we have a guy that listens exclusively on YouTube named Andrew. Yeah. Real thoughtful dude. He, he he loves the show. But he was giving me a little bit of shit this week. He was saying that Rest in Peace is better than the Black Album. Whoa. And basically saying, come on, Clint, you, you got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, now, first off, they're two completely different beasts. You know, like I would well, one I, one. I mean, but one can be better than the other. It can be, but I mean, I would I would compare Rust in Peace uh, more to Injustice for All. The technicalities of the record, you know, you know are thrashier, and and then I would compare uh, the Black Album to Countdown to Extinction, Megadeth's quote unquote Black Album. Clint, 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 wake up! Oh, sorry. Hey, uh, we were just about to listen to uh, a Megadeth. So I asked Ethan when he got here to HQ2, where we are today, by the way, for those of you uh, who aren't watching, um, what's the best song on Rust in Peace? And he told me he thinks it's probably Tornado of Souls, which I know our friend Tom Quay. Hello and hi, and Tornado of Souls is best thing. Okay, hello and goodbye again. He's, he loves that song too. So we're gonna song, yeah. we're gonna listen to Tornado of Souls. Yeah, we're gonna listen to it together, much like re- we did in the last episode. Yep. So here we go. Let's see if maybe I'll walk away from this a Megadeth fan. pretty cool yeah this riff is fun right here this record definitely does not sound as good as the black album no not at all
<laughs> Clint's face right now. I told you beforehand, if anything, you'll like the music. You know, he's kind of got like a Getty Lee thing. A Getty it's Lee kind quality. Of a, a, like point. a thrash metal Getty Lee, yeah. Tornadoes have eyes like hurricanes? Yeah. I don't think they do. Eye of the tornado? I mean, technically the center of it is like the eye. It's just I don't know if that's the case. The center of a tornado is like a cylindrical, tunnel-y. be the eye. The eye of a hurricane, though, is, looks like an eye. Yeah. It's the calm part of a hurricane. Let's see. Can we get a fucking meteorologist up here? Yeah, I have a tornado is a real thing. Okay. <laughs> Nick Menzo is such a badass drummer. I mean, all these dudes are monster players. Marty Freeman's guitar solo on this record. I love Marty Freeman. Dude, this, this is the, my favorite solo on the record. It's so fucking Marty good. Marty Freeman's a big Kiss fan. Yeah. This right here. You can't deny the musicianship of this band. I don't give a shit about that, though. Oh, I know. I'm just... If you want to... Yeah, they can play. It, they like, can play. Great. I'm not saying it means you have to like it. Right. But I don't think anyone's denying the musicianship is what sure. I'm saying. You know what I mean? That's such a good riff. I like the chords are climbing with it. Yeah. You know. The lyrics and the vocals are pretty rough. <laughs> I've just listened to this record for so long, it doesn't like bother me. But this is a big holdup with people with Megadeth. It's Dave's voice. Yeah. Some people like it, some people hate it. I don't know if I'm anybody that's like, I kind of like it, or I, you know what I mean? Like, it's either love or hate. Let me ask you this. Ooh, hang on. You got to just ride this out here. This is so good. too metal for me. It's too Ingve. It is, but I just think it's I don't know, I love this song. I mean it's amazing. Yeah. It really is amazing technically. Kirk thing here. Kind of a Kirky thing. But cleaner. Cleaner, yeah. Alright, that's in a solo. It was getting kinda of long, to be honest yeah. with you. So what were you gonna ask? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I could see if you're into this when you're a kid. Yeah. I just got into Megadeth, I would say, in like 
probably seventh or eighth grade. So like, you can just cut it at this point. I mean, it's just a little. Outro. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I really, really didn't like it. No, I really didn't. No little parts. That, oh, like, you know what's gonna ask you? Is this just because I found a YouTube clip? Is that the quality of the recording? That kind of sounded the rec- like shit. That record doesn't sound amazing. Again, I've been listening to it for so long right. that it doesn't bug me. They did do a remastered version uh, years ago, and then, but I think they went and actually remixed it, and it's to me it was worse. Like right. they put a different snare sample in there and stuff, mm. and it wasn't that good. Well, I've heard that for so long that, that I I don't mind it. I'm just thinking about this dude saying that this is better than the Black Album, and I'm, I'm just really not hearing it. No, I, I got to be honest, I'm not hearing it. Right, I'm I'm with you. And the thing is too, it's like I've heard Megadeth. See that that to me is like all the Megadeth I've heard. I've heard Symphony of, Symphony of Destruction, right. Sweating Bullets, and that that sounds like Megadeth to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't you know, it's not for me. Sure, totally. But, good. but the thing about like getting into shit when you're a kid, there's something really powerful about that because, yeah. you know, like I tell people a lot when they want to get into Kiss, I'm like. If you didn't do it when you were a kid, it might be tough. It's going to be really hard yeah. because there's something really magical about it when you're a kid, and you sort of forgive a lot of bullshit, mm-hmm. and then you then you get connected to a piece of music, right? And then it doesn't fucking matter. Like I know there's a lot of people out there that love Tornado of Souls, and they could give two fucks that I don't care. Yeah. It's not affecting their enjoyment. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, and that's the, how I feel about Kiss. It's easy you get made fun of as a Kiss fan, but it's hard to get into it later. But it doesn't, you know, if you get made fun of for liking or disliking something, like it doesn't change the fact that that's still what what you love you know what i mean like if someone makes fun of you for being a kiss fan it's like well fuck off i doesn't make me like kiss any less i can't imagine caring yeah yeah there's no reason to care but the, the difference here with this is the context of this is i kind of talk about dave a lot and then right, i got a yeah. lot of people saying you should listen to it yeah so hopefully people will stop saying that now i hope so i mean maybe one day i'll burn the whole record down or something and maybe i'll have a different experience but <laughs> if you're if you listen to tornado souls and you're like eh, i don't really like it I can't imagine you could listen to the whole record and be. Down. I can't either. I really can't. I mean, I, I mean, Hangar 18's great. What song is Symphony of Destruction on? Uh, uh, that, uh, that's on. Uh, or what, Countdown, Countdown to, to Extinction. Extinction. What year is that? Ninety-two. Was that before or after this? That was after this. Okay, I might check that out. Yeah, I like Symphony of Destruction. This is probably ninety. I think nineteen ninety, maybe. That solo is just so. Ingve, uh, I think that was I, kind of I, Marty Freeman's deal, though. He even does that on like on Sim- or um, Countdown to Extinction because to yeah. me, like I, I kind of equated to the Black Album because they weren't too far apart in, right. in, when they released them. Cleaner record, not right. thrashy. Um, Anthrax did it too with the uh, persistence, persistence of, of time. time. Yeah, um, right. but uh, Marty still kind of does that solo thing. There are some beautiful melodic parts though on. on well, Marty does it's ob- it was obviously very thoughtful, you know, and like, I just think what I'm attracted to so much about Metallica are the rough edges. I think you, uh, you being a writer also attracted to the songwriting. Yes. The song itself. I like, have a great quote about that, by the way, um, that I'll read a little bit later. Um, okay. Lars talking a little bit about maybe what makes them different than Slayer. He's very diplomatic, but very, very frank. A lot of things that are different, you know, but... Well, you know, they get the big four, right? The, right, the yeah, Bay sure. Area thrash or the Southern California thrash or yeah. whatever. It's like, I think that the colloquialism of that they're all similar. We all know that Metallica pulled away yeah. as early as Ride the Lightning or as early as that bridge to Four Horsemen. Yeah, totally. Speaking of that, let's talk about our favorite metal band. <laughs> uh, that, that you know, maybe we'll listen to more. We're going to do the uh, Metal Your Podcast Explores the Big Explores Four. Explores the Big Four, yeah. So we'll be listening to all these records. I yeah. want to listen to Persistence of Time. I want to listen to... I definitely want to listen to Countdown to Extinction. A good way to do Explore the Big Four is do what we've been doing with the Metallica just records. Just listen together. And you and I just sit down and listen to them. Let's and do it right now. Right now. All right. We're going to start with Rain and Blood. Um, 
Uh, let's talk about Metallica. So if you've been following our Year in the Life series, we're basically in excruciating detail going through every year of Metallica's right. career. So that when this podcast is all said and done, which isn't going to be anytime soon, by the way, for those at of you least out there, a week, um, we got a few more months here. Uh, you're going to basically have a, a compendium encyclopedia conversation of their entire career, right? Which I think is going to be really cool. Like you know, a really cool document once the show's done. You know, absolutely. Um, so. As we do with these, we sort of just go through the months. Just burn it down. Now, one thing that's just important to remember as a backdrop for this whole year is that the boys were on the fucking road. All the time. Like, so when we talk about stuff happening, the Grammys, the Freddie Mercury concert, the releasing of singles, the releasing of videos and home movies, this the backdrop of all this is the boys are on the road taking the gospel of the Black album to the world. Right. So, so starting in January and pretty much running through... July or June through the summer, they're just basically doing a headlining North American tour. So they're playing the Midwest, they're playing the coast, they're going down south, they're just real busy. Now, the first notable thing that happens during the tour is on January 22nd, they were nominated for favorite, uh, this is for the AMAs, by the way, okay, American Music Awards, favorite heavy metal slash hard rock artists, and favorite heavy metal slash hard rock album for the Black Album. They lost... Uh, to Guns N' Roses for the favorite artist and to Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge by Van Halen for the album, which I get. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah, th- that doesn't sting near as much as Jethro Tull, Crest no, of the Nave. absolutely not. Which, by the way, I got it on vinyl. I know you did. That's amazing. I got amazing. to show it to you. It's back there. That's awesome. It was like three bucks. <laughs> as it should be. Someone actually wrote into the emails. That was, it's not the one we read, obviously, but they were like, Hey, I'm really glad that you guys were expecting to like make fun of that and that you actually liked it. Was that the person that wrote us, wrote into us and said that their mom, I think, is a big Jethro Tull I, fan, yeah. and sent us a picture of like vinyl on the wall I and think some so. Jethro Tull stuff? Yeah, we were expecting to just make fun of it, and we were like, "This is kind of cool." It's always nice to, I, you know, to be honest with you, I was kind of hoping that would happen with Tornado of Souls, but when yeah. it does, it does. When it doesn't, it doesn't. But it was nice to be like, "Shit, this is pretty cool." Like, yeah. I'm really looking forward to diving into it because it was kind of far out. Yeah, it was. He also reminded us that they won the Grammy. It wasn't. Just best heavy metal. It was best heavy metal, hard rock, and Jethro Tull kind of... Not sure I would still call that record hard rock. <laughs> Not that song, at least. Yeah. What was it called again? The Farmer's Highway or something? Uh, far, uh, farm to Freeway? Farm to Freeway. Freeway Farm? I can't remember. Farm to Table? Yeah. <laughs> um, I get that they lost it. I mean, Guns N' Roses in 1992, dude. Were absolutely gigantic. Future Illusion 1 and 2. So was Van Halen. I mean, and Van Halen also. I mean, that record was huge right now. Right now, That song huge. was massive. Van Hagar. Van Hagar. Which it, was, I, it was like his... I liked some Van Hagar stuff. I love the song, uh, When It's Love. Uh, uh. What's the one that goes to... Down, 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 down. It's got what it takes. takes. So, so tell, tell me why can't this be love? You straight want it straight from the heart. <laughs> Sammy Hagar's a great singer. And a great guitar player. Yep, he yeah, is. People don't know that. And I believe... You know, Sammy Hagar and James are tight. Yeah. They do the... Um, they do that benefit together. Oh, the um, acoustic for acoustic a cure. Acoustic for a cure. Yeah, uh, yeah. They both started that. Um, a lot of people are big, uh, you know, big David Lee Roth fans, and to them, I love David Lee. To Roth. them, after he quit the band, there's no Van Halen. Come on, I know. Come on, come on. I get it that they 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 kind of the sound got more like adult contemporary rock, but there was still a badass band. Well, guess what they did? They fucking grew up. They grew up. They made cool records. So did Metallica. Now, the Gary Sharon record. Van Halen know. 3. Yeah, not good. Yeah, not great. A friend of mine, Kevin, the drummer in my band, he went and saw that tour. Really? 
I mean, I kind of wish I had seen that tour. I mean, what a unique, I weird been, era. I would have been curious to actually have seen that live. I saw Van Hagar live. L- wow. Yeah, at the at Irvine Meadows Amphitheater in, Ir- in Irvine, what, California. Uh, what year? This was during this album cycle. Okay, early yeah, 90s. Yes, so it was like early 90s or so. It was Van Halen with, with still the original lineup of Skid Row opening. Oh, love it. I saw, it Skid, I saw Skid Row open for Kiss, but mine is Sebastian Bach, unfortunately. Okay. It was still pretty good, though. Yeah. Here's the deal. Uh, here's a question. Remember in the early 90s when Iron Maid, when Bruce Dickinson left Iron Maiden? For two records, I think. Like, those are just interesting tours to have seen. Because they're yeah. so weird. Yeah, very much so. It, they should have just called it a different band or something. There was one night where I was like reorganizing my studio and... I just had Spotify going and some random playlist I made. And then I was like, I did all, you. I did. But did you, though? It was an Iron Maiden playlist that I made. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on one of the records that Bruce didn't sing on. And I'm not talking about the early stuff that Paul did. Yeah, not the first record. The first two. You're were talking about 90s. 90s. Yeah. That dude right. whose name I can't even remember right now. Mark McGuire. Mark McGrath. He was <laughs> Mark McGuire from the Oakland A's. And Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. Yeah, they both say it took both of them to cover to Bruce's cover parts. Bruce, yeah, right. um, but I put it on and I didn't last more than two songs. Pretty bad. Yeah, musically it's still kind of maiden, but it, yeah, it's not not great. You're right though. I mean, you know, for them to lose to Guns and Van Halen, and you know, that's fine. And they, you know, they're coming up on a Grammy win here anyway. They've already won two Grammys. Right. They're they're okay. Yeah, they're fine. I don't think they were too bummed. Uh, February 25th is kind of the next notable thing with the premiere of the Nothing Else Matters video. Which I didn't really think about this. This premiered, and of course it's footage taken during the filming of the documentary. Right. But this is several months before that came out. Exactly, yeah. So, so no one even knew that was coming. I've talked about this before. I was so excited when this video came out because it was like a glimpse into their world, into the studio. I'm like, wow, it's them actually recording the song. It's so cool. Right. Get to see James with the big Gretsch White Falcon. Uh, B Ben, not B Bender. Uh, he playing a telly in one scene on this one, I think. He's playing the White Falcon and he's playing a double neck with a twelve. The double string. neck, yeah, that's right. Because he's doing the kind of never care for what they, yeah. you know. Yeah, it was it was such a cool moment as a Metallica fan to see that. Uh oh, uh oh. I got a 12 string, that's why I'm doing it. Alright. <laughs> Not the easiest solo to play on a 12 string. Uh, hey, can you play the solo to battery on that thing? Yeah, here it goes. <laughs> but yeah, I, so my online point was definitely inner Sandman. Like, so sure. I was online at this time, but I was young, dude. I was, you know, eight. So I can't remember... I can't remember the order of events of me seeing the video versus getting the... Do- I don't think I got the documentary until later in the load era. Right, okay. When I was eight, I didn't know how to get that shit. Yeah. Mom, I- buy me the thing. <laughs> Can you buy me the th- I-, I just... I remember going to the, like, going to the mall with my Because remember how evil buds. the artwork looked? It had that weird skull, yeah. that skeleton oh, dude, thing. There was an era where I had to like hide this shit from yeah, my parents. Totally. And, and they weren't like crazy conservative about it, but they were just kind of like, mm, this is a little dark. Right. You know, and now looking back, my dad's like, that was silly. You know, right. but I remember buying Year and a Half from Life Metallica on double VHS and I like hid it under my bed or, you know, somewhere obvious that my mom probably saw. I get it though, as a parent, like you got to pay attention to what your kids are consuming. I mean, you just, you got to pay attention to that shit. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't know who Slayer was and your daughter came home one day with like a record and it was, you know, Seasons in the Abyss and you looked at it and you're like, um, 
This is the devil on right. record. Rain and blood. Hmm? One, Christ illusion? I don't think so. Yeah. One of the coolest things my mom did was when I got facelift by Alice in Chains, you know, famously had Man in the Box, where in the chorus he says, uh, feed my eyes, can you sew them shut? Jesus Christ, deny your maker. Yeah. He who tries will be wasted. Uh, she didn't dig that. Yeah. The anti-Christ message. Right. And, uh, but she, when I bought the record, she sat down and listened to it with me. Yeah. And she looked at the liner notes... And then at the after burning the record down was like it's fine, yeah. Which you know you, to be a present parent you have to just take that's the pretty time. awesome. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. It totally now is. I did I did get busted with a Danzig tape, and um, the single for Dr. Dre is nothing but a G thing. Oh man. Which the B side was Who's a Man with a Master Plan? Yeah. A beep with a mother beeping gun. Those went into the garbage. <laughs> a beep with a mother beeping gun. I can't say it. I can't if say If you could have only gone in the future and shown your mom the picture of Glenn Danzig carrying cat litter, she would have been fine. If I could only go into the future and show my mom my home studio with 35 artisan skulls in it and my pentagram jewelry. She would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving right along here. Now, keep in mind, boys are on tour. Boys are busy. Now, also on February 25th, same day that video drops, at Radio City Music Hall in New York City, which I've had the pleasure of playing, I must say. I have not played, played there. there. You've done all this cool TV stuff, so I got, and you've been nominated for a Grammy, so I have to have something on your. You ass. got something, yeah. You'll, uh, you'll get there one day, kid. Is where they held the 1992 Grammys. The boys won. They well, first of all, they performed in her Sandman. They won their third Grammy for best metal performance with vocal for the Black Album, and uh, they were up against Persistence of Time, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Megadeth, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Motorhead, 1916, and Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger. Crazy. That's a pretty stacked stacked lineup right there. Even looking at that, which to me, obviously, the standout for me would be Bad Motorfinger, it's clear that Metallica should have won. Now, I've been reading Mick Wall's book, and there's a really great quote in here about him winning a Grammy. Awesome. Uh, he was asked by Mick Wall, you know, like, what was that like? And, you know, because it's cool to, it's kind of cool, and even my beloved Pearl Jam fell prey to this. It's kind of cool to shit on it. Oh, we've shit talk, on the Grammys and stuff? This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is so fucking jive, dude. I think that is so fucking lame. To to rip on it? To pretend like... Or pretend like you don't care. Even Woody Allen does it. And I, with the Oscars. He won four Oscars for Annie Hall. Didn't even show up. Yeah. Read about it in the paper the next day. Yeah. He just couldn't give a fuck. But at least he didn't show up. Don't show up, accept the award, and then bitch about it on the mic. Yeah. Like Pearl Jam did. Right. And others at all. But... Because it's just cool to say, like, here's the, the the ultimate truth, really, is that it's silly to say this art's better than other art. Right. It's 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 subjective. It's weird to categorize it that way. Yeah, Because yeah, someone sure. made a thing. But it's not a case of, oh, you made a thing, everyone gets five stars. Like, not everything's equal. You see what I'm saying? There's a mm -hmm, conundrum yeah, here. Right. And sometimes it does seem like... The Academy or the Grammy uh, board or whatever. It's just rich people giving themselves awards for making shit. It can be yeah, kind of yeah, gross. Yeah, of course. But I, I, you know what I want? I want a Grammy for songwriting. I want a Grammy for a record I make. I I, I, I want it. I don't really care if I... I mean, I, yeah, I got nominated. But if it was like my actual music and I got nominated and could go, sure, I would go. Like I don't, I don't do this for an award, but no, no, if someone right. wants to give me a trophy and like, oh hey, we love what you did here, I, I totally agree. Like if I don't win one, I'm not gonna like go cry in a corner, and I'm not gonna quit fucking making it. You bet your ass that. Right, exactly. But to be to have that accolade, to share that with Michael Jackson and 
dude, have you seen this Quincy Jones documentary? I watched it like two, yeah, a week ago or so ago. It's so good. It's so inspiring. You can't see my face now, but my jaw's open. I like, had no idea. Me of, neither. Of 75% of all what sh- he did back in the day before he got known as like a pop producer in the 80s. Well, all that shit with, the Frank, with Frank Sinatra. I know. It's insane. How about he him? was a badass trumpet player. Great trumpet player. How about him scoring in the heat of the night? Yeah. Great Sidney Poitier movie. I mean It's so crazy. If you got if you don't know who Quincy Jones is, just go watch that documentary. It's called Quincy. And it is fantastic. You know him because he 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 produced Thriller it, and Thriller Off, off the, wall the Wall and and Bad. And Bad. And if you don't know any of that, Rashida Jones is his daughter who it seems like she made the documentary. She did. She wrote and directed it. I think she's just the cutest thing. She's and a cutie. She pop. was in she's in the office. Right. And she was in Parks and Rec. Um yeah, she's awesome. I had, and I didn't realize that was his daughter until I saw her in the documentary. I'm like, "Oh, that makes sense now." He was nominated for like 60 Grammys. He won 27 of them. I know, it's insane. Like so just go th- go check it out. It's called Quincy. Yeah, it's fantastic. But what I'm saying like I want to be in that company. Like I it's, I want to win 26 I, I don't look at it cynically. I look at it like Quincy Jones is one of my heroes. I have, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I would be in the company of Quincy Jones. Yeah. Not as good as him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure if I would, like, a part of me wants to say, like, oh, I would just, if I if got nominated and I, I could go and I won and I, I would accept it and th- thank you very much. Or would I do, like, the, uh, who'd you say doesn't show up? Um, Woody Allen didn't Woody show Allen. up to win his Oscars. But like, or would I just do that and be like, that's okay. Thank you, but I'd rather go play a show for my fans that night. Or I don't know. I don't know. I, I, until well, I'm... it's kind of like so the, the the new 2018 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and duck nominations have come out. Yeah, and you know it's the first year Radiohead's eligible. That everyone's kind. So it was like Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I can't even think of the groups now. But, I, just, I saw it too. Yeah, but Radiohead basically you basically campaign for that, and Radiohead doesn't give a shit. Right, and. Radiohead's kind of in the press been like, we don't care about that. And they booked a show on the day of the ceremony. In so Cleveland? We, so, no, oh, elsewhere. That would have been But amazing. even if they had gotten nominated and gotten it, they're like, we already booked a show. Yeah, we have a show. Like, Sorry. They don't give a shit. Yeah. If you don't give a shit, great. Don't show up. But don't show up and be like, this is meaningless. This is dumb. Like Brando, when he won for The Godfather, he actually had a Native American person come up and speak about Native American rights. He used that time to speak out about something politically that meant a lot to him. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. No problem. Cool. But the whole, well, here I am with my Oscar that's meaningless. Yeah. And here's me pontificating and moralizing about how you can't judge art. Fuck you. Get Dude, out. You you showed up and bought, the bought a suit to come to this thing. Anyway. Now, Mick Wall asked, uh, this is this is an excerpt from uh, Internight. Great book. Great Metallica uh, uh, bio. It is. Now, firmly part of the establishment, in February 1992, Metallica picked up another Grammy, their third in a row, this time for Inner Sandman, which won the Best Metal Performance with Vocals Award. And he says, we got to thank Jethro Tull for not putting out an album this year, was the big joke, right? Yeah. Quick Lars. All of the Shrine Auditorium yucking it up with him. Behind the laughter, though, is now steely-eyed intent, which he, he sang Shrine Auditorium, but this was at Radio City. Anyway, another thing Mick Wall got wrong. Come on, Mick. Uh. He says, behind the laughter, though, was now steely-eyed intent. And this is Lar- quoting uh, Lars. He says, or this is James. We worked so fucking hard on this album, said James afterwards, so the fact that we won a Grammy for it this time actually meant something. All the other ones, I don't know what to do with them, really. What about Lars, though? Did it make him feel proud, I asked? Of course. I like winning a Grammy, he smiled, not the least bit sheepishly. I want a Grammy as much as the next guy, even more than the next guy. He sat up straight in his chair. I'm just sitting here thinking nobody has asked me if I'm proud of it before. Come to think of it, I'm really fucking proud. I really am. 
I used to always think it didn't mean much, but the truth is, I guess it does. There you go, dude. Yeah. I mean, the dudes want Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not the kind of guys that are like, we do this so we can get nominated. And this doesn't seem that hard to parse that out. Yes. Of course, they're not doing it for that. But to get it, all right. Especially a metal category that, that is only a few years old. Yeah. And that they're kind of forefronting. Yeah. You know you know who uh, who has a bitch about not getting Grammys? Hello. Well, he finally got one for Dystopia. He did, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Someone, someone is acknowledging your work of art. Great. Thank you. I didn't do it for you, but... I, I the fact that you're going to give this to me and acknowledge that, thanks means a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, dude, come on, it's a benchmark. It's cool. Yeah, whatever. Um, also, let's see. They were also nominated for best rock song songwriter for Inner Sandman. They lost to Sting for Soul Cages, which by the Soul way, Soul Cages, good record. Yeah, good record. I'm a big fan of Sting's whole solo career. I like most of it. Ten Summoners Tales. Ten Summoners Tales is great. Is just an absolute must own record. Yeah. in my opinion. For those of you out there uh, who will remember the big hits, that had uh, Field of Gold. Yeah. And it had... Uh, if, if I ever lose... Oh, no. Uh, if I ever lose my faith. Faith, yeah. If I ever lose my faith in you. It's a great song in there called The Shape of My Heart. That's not the shape. There's a, Do you remember a movie called Kate and Leopold? Yes. He, I don't remember if he, he didn't do the whole soundtrack, but he has a song on there. I can't remember the name of that it. That sounds like an East Nashville like hipster barista, by the way. What? Kate and Leopold. Kate and Leopold. Everything here now is named like something and something. Brick and Rolf Mortar. and Daughters. Rolf and Daughters. Yes, totally. Oh, have you been to Kate and Leopold yet? Bow and Tie. Bow and Tie. Peanut and Butter. Uh, what's the other one new one by my house? Um, Rosemary and Beauty Queen. There you go. Yeah. I've never even heard of that yeah. one. Yeah. It's right next to Red Door. What were you saying about, please regale us with your tales of Kate <laughs> there, and Leopold? There, uh, I'll have to look it up. And confirm, but I can't. Um, there's a beautiful st- uh, song that Sting has on there. Uh, it's so good. I'm gonna look it up as we're kind of moving on here. Um, the other songs that uh, for for this category that Sting won, though, I, f- I found interesting. You'll find get a kick out of this. Okay. One of them was Silent Lucidity. <gasps> Hush now, don't you cry. <laughs> Been caught stealing. Great song. Yeah, probably uh, one of the few James Addiction songs I like. <laughs> I'm dude, not. I'm they not, rock. I'm not a big fan of James. Gotcha. Addiction. That's okay. Uh, Learning to Fly, Tom Petty from Into the Great Wide Great. Open, and Can't Stop This Thing We Started by Brian Adams. Brian Adams is a wonderful I mean, songwriter, by the way. Great songwriter. Have you heard like his recent records? No. They're good. I haven't. There's one that my buddy Trevor had. Uh, I walked in his house one day, and I was like, what is this? He's like, dude, it's new Brian Adams, and it's fucking awesome. It's, the, it's, it's a newer one where he hits like, a black and white cover just of his face. Hmm. I don't remember the name I think it. he's made like six covers like that. <laughs> That's true. All right, here's a Kate Leopold thing. Let me find. What are you? What are we doing with it? What is this? What's I just want to play the. Uh, a, you want to play the what song? Is this? Let me play it on here so the people can this hear it. This is the soundtrack. What's it? What is it? Am I typing in Brian Adams? Brian, what am I looking? Sting. 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 I just know the name of the song. Kate, Sting. Kate and Leopold. Look, Kate and Leopold. Look, I'm gonna bring it up now. We're gonna listen to it together, okay? Oh, until. Uh. Oh yeah, it's called until. Are you gonna? Would you know it? It was an ad. I'm. A, um, now I'm hungry. Just the whole world is ads now. It's an, we live in an ad world. It's and an ad world. <laughs> Tears for Fears song. I was going to go with like Material Girl, but oh, this is a long ad. You know, some of them are like, "Yeah, we're going to let you get out of here in five seconds," but some are like, "Fuck you, you're going to say you're going to watch this McGriddle ad for thirty seconds." God damn it! And they seem like they're getting longer, like times. Yeah. All, All right. right. Is this? I think. 
Come on. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's a beautiful song. Is this the point where it's half of our listeners... I love that waltzy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to the chorus and then we can cut it. But hey, Meg Ryan. I used to have a big crush on her. Oh, yeah. Who didn't? Well, that scene in When Harry Met Sally. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. This is great here. I mean, what a talented dude, man. Amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. I mean, it's a little, it's a little cheesy, but but it's for a film. It's a cool, yeah. I think because it's for a film, it, it's no, it's fitting. cool. He's a great songwriter. I mean, he's done just his solo catalog alone is great, and then not even to mention like all the amazing oh, shit. Syn- the, the police, Ghost in the Machine. I mean, the police are. I mean, in my opinion, like they'd, they'd be probably be in my top ten of all time. Yeah, because okay. they had a big reggae influence right. and all that stuff. Yep. Walking on the Moon is basically a reggae song. Um. Very cool. So catchy. Now we're gonna move on through to April. The boys are on tour. This is when the Nothing Else Matters uh, single was released. The international single included a live performance. Now this is weird, dude. the The single included a live performance from Graz, Austria. Hello, Twelpen from Austria. Uh, from Austria. Of Harvester of Sorrow, where the boys forgot to play the second chorus. They forgot, or was that just how it was? They t- they just fucked it up and didn't play the second. They go chorus. straight to the bridge or something. They go straight to a solo. I gotta go listen to that. It's, it's really weird sounding, and so they actually put it out. And lo- this is what the uh, liner note said: Take a listen to this glorious performance in front of twenty three thousand people before you begin to think everything is too easy. We usually make the odd mistake here and there individually, but in Graz we hit a new high or low. This is a song we played about two hundred seventy five times before, and we just wanted to share this version with all of you. It's one of the it's one of those famous soundboard tapes band let's see bands record to review their performance. We left out an entire major part of the song. You figure it out, Lars. <laughs> it was just like a group think. They just didn't it, when you listen to it, it really does sound like it's Lars's mistake because it's kind of supposed to suck down into a thing and he kind of blasts through it. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to describe so that. So I wonder right if they kind of, the rest of the boys kind of followed along with him. I mean, you know. Do we want to we can listen to it. We sh- I mean, we might as well. I mean, technology is allowing us to not only listen to a nice ad, but then listen to whatever we want. Yeah, here we go. So check this out. I'll, I'll kind of put us close to where it is. Hey, no ad. All right, so obviously we hear the beginning, right? It's not a great recording. So this is what we all know and love it, right? So moving ahead. Verse 1. Ooh. 
believe that's the part that so this he... Would, this would be the first chorus. Yeah, yeah. So instead of kind of... Instead of sucking back down to that groove, he kind of plays through it. Now... Well, that's, gonna, not, that's not the part, right? No, I'm setting it up, homie. Oh, I see what you're doing. I'm giving it context. Oh. Don't you understand? Here we go. We're in verse two. Right there. You can kind of hear the oh fuck. Yeah. And then into the solo. Yeah, so like it sounded... You can really hear the oh fuck It moment. sounded like Lars was like... He just kept going into what... He, he kept going into the... Before the solo. Um, when... You can hear you can hear James start to play the chorus to try to get him back into it. Right. Kirk is just hitting a big diamond because yeah. he doesn't know what to do. So it's really just Lars leading the they're show. All yeah, they're all trying to kind of figure out what's going on. I mean, we can let's, let's listen to that again. Let's continue analyzing this. Right here. Keeps going. Bound to bound to burn it. There's the that's the oh shit moment. Right there, yeah. It's cool that they put it out, you know. They were yeah, like, this they're is like, fuck funny. It. Yeah, this fuck is, it. And it's really not that bad. It's no, not, it's not that bad. Can, I mean you can it's it's obvious where the where it happened, but, where but, the trainer came. But happened. think about it, dude. Leaving out a chorus is a huge omission. Imagine yeah. if they did left out a whole chorus of Inner Sandman. I know. That's insane. But cool they put it out. Yeah. I think it's right. Well it's funny. I like, it's, it's almost like you know, acknowledging, you know, your mistake before everyone else does. Totally. You know what I mean? It's uh, called getting in front of it, Ethan. Other than the twenty three thousand people that were there. Honey. Who does that? You want to get in front of the problem. You want to get in front of the PR nightmare. That's right. Be a, be the solution. Don't be a part of the problem. Don't. I it's take, awful. I told my dog, I told my dog Valentino that, that when he and Lucius, see a dog. Oh yeah, Lucius just having, loves him. Having doggy fights, I say, don't be be part of the solution. Give yeah. him a doggy hug. That's right. Hug hug it out. Be the bigger dog. You have to be the big, bigger dog. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be the bigger dog? Be All right. The big be the change you want to. Make that change. I tell I tell Vic, I tell Valentino he listens to Michael Jackson. Oh yes, be the change you want to see in the world. World. I well, I, I tell Lucius heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the, the entire, entire human canine race. race. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! All right, moving on to April. Oh, the same day. So they they tended to. It looks like you know the twenty fifth when they won the Grammy they released. Nothing else matters. Yeah. On April twentieth, they released nothing. Or wait, they released. Uh, God damn it! Nothing else matters as a single on April twentieth. And the, I'm sorry, the video was released the day they won the Grammy. Yeah, video. Now April twentieth, the singles released the day that they play at London's Wembley Stadium for the Freddie Mercury tribute concert for AIDS awareness. Freddie Mercury died in uh, September of ninety one, I believe, of AIDS, as we mm -hmm. all know. Yeah. 
and there's foot there's a whole f- uh, footage of this in like the extended scenes of Year and a Half and Life of Metallica. Right. Hetfield rehearsing with Queen with and Tony stuff. Iommi. Yeah, it's awesome. You can really see how he just turns into a little kid. Uh, totally. Well, and it's so interesting that like when Tony Iommi walks in, he's like, "James, hey." Yeah. It's like, dude, that's Black Sabbath. That's the most important yeah. metal band ever. Yes. And he, they're fans of Metallica. I you know, know it's crazy. Um, the three songs that they played was Inner Sandman, Sabbath True, and Nothing Else Matters. It was re- released uh, as live at Wembley Stadium. All the proceeds went to the Freddie Mercury AIDS Fund, which I think is really rad of yeah, the boys. Yeah, very cool. Um, <clears throat> and then James did Stone Cold Crazy with Queen Antonio. Yeah, that's so awesome. Really cool. Yeah, and, and, and I know you don't love that cover, but I mean, they do a really good perform- yeah. performance yeah, yeah. of it. It's awesome. James is like holding the mic up. and You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he, he does it like he's chugging a beer. Yeah, it's weird. I think that's kind of his default when he's not playing guitar. Because even when he like burned himself, right, John Marshall's on guitar. Right. Yeah, he just had the thing. I up. feel like I can see that like the cast on his arm, and he's yep. holding it up. You yeah, know? pretty interesting. Very. What if he was like Maynard James Keenan when he wasn't playing, and he was like doing all the weird crouching dancing shit? <laughs> <laughs> what if he was just crab walking while singing the whole time? <laughs> that's that's what it is. On this tour, they took suicidal tendencies out. Rob Trujillo. Yep. After James got the Bernie burn saw the crab walk and that's where he learned it yeah because all james would do a crab walk with that burnt he would arm. just crab walk t- literally 24 7 i'm yeah. not exaggerating from the dressing literally, room to literally. the stage stage right. to the plane all crab, that crab walk to the plane yeah. with a snake on it um all these years later he was like he reintroduces it for whom the bell tolls exactly may 12th lars and slash hold a press conference to announce the co-headlining tour they do this something the, that people don't do nowadays. You don't hold a press conference to announce a tour. It's like bands aren't that big anymore. Or something like would Adele? Well, now, a, well, now a press con. I mean, you have social media, which is your press conference. Exactly. I mean, you don't have to gather. That's so true. That's over, right? But I mean, I don't even remember that happening much. Like before social media, like in and after this, like in the mid late nineties, early two thousands. You know, I don't know. It's, it's well, I wanted to pull up the clip because it's interesting. It's an interesting little snapshot of the time. We got a little Kurt Loader here. Yeah. Rock. Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash and drummer Lars Ulrich of Metallica held a press conference in Los Angeles on Tuesday to announce that after months of protracted negotiations, their two bands will be launching a two-month summer tour together starting on July 17th at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. I remember seeing Both this. No yeah, me too. Act, and here's what Slash and Lars had to say at the press conference. We're going to play uh, pretty much a full headline set each. That was always yeah. the idea from the get-go, uh, about roughly two and a half hours each. And... Um, and that's it. Faith No More is going to play roughly around 45 minutes, and uh, we'll see what happens. There has been, like, major obstacles that we, they're just like, well, but we still really want to do this, right. so we'll get around it. And every time that we hit an obstacle, we always say, well, okay, managers, you guys go <laughs> home, and we'll, we'll deal with it. Okay? We'll do we the cocaine. Yeah. I haven't seen anything happen like this since I was a kid. I mean, there's bands going out, they have these huge festivals, and... I know everything changed while I, while I was coming up as a guitar player. Everything just sort of changed. It got really boring. But what turned me on when I was young was shows like this. Guns and Metallica are coming your way soon. Very cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, I just heard the uh, Slash interview with Mark Marin. It's really cool. I haven't listened to that yet. They don't do a lot of guns talk. They talk a lot about sobriety. Slash has got a new record out. Yeah. And uh, Slash is all. I mean, you and I are both massive guns fans. Of course, yeah. Almost as much as Metallica in, in many ways, but. Slash has always seemed to me to be such a cool dude. Super cool. Even when he was like on drugs and hammered all the time, he was still a cool dude. Well, you know, some people on drugs turn into fucking demons, and some oh, people yeah. on drugs it just amplifies the party of their vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he's always been a hero of mine, and, and uh, you know, 
to to think of seeing that gig. I mean, God I know. damn it! Like, I know. I had friends in high school that went. I've got friends that went, and but, it, but like uh, two and a half hours each, and each the Use Your Illusion era, much like Reload and Load for me, are my favorite Guns era. Right. And I love that Lars was such a fan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he was. Like Lars impresses me in many ways, documented all over this podcast, but unafraid he just had a lot of self-confidence in what they were doing mm-hmm. that he wasn't like when guns started to happen in 87 88 yeah. with appetite he wasn't like hmm who are these new kids on the block he went and fucking became their friend yeah and, and he rec- and, yeah. He, and a fan of theirs yeah and he recognized how special they were he recognized a great artist you know mick wall talks in his book about on that tour because uh, because uh lars was such a huge fan of axel that he had yeah. one of those white leather jackets made like Axel's jacket in the Paradise City video. <laughs> like, that's cool to me. Yeah. Because losing the... He never quit being a fan. hmm Right. I mean, I'm sure even with all the, you know, them going on late all the time, then the riot thing happening, it's like... I'm sure he was, like, frustrated, like, fucking get your shit together, but... He, they he they talk about it in the book, and we're going to do a whole episode on that tour, by the way, so we shouldn't say too much about... Yeah, we won't go too We won't go too it. deep in the controversy, but they... You know, of course, when you do a co-headline... What a lot of bands do. So what that means is both bands. First of all, they split all the proceeds fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Usually, when you have an opener, the opener is making a substantial uh, amount less than right. the yeah, headliner, course, yeah. and usually they play uh, headliner plays longer. They would each play the same amount. So the big question was who's going to go on first? And they said that like really early on in the talking, that Metallica was like, "We'll go first. because they knew that. Even one of the quotes is they knew that touring Guns N' Roses was going to be quote unquote a trip. Yeah, like they kind of knew. They knew it was going to be kind of difficult. I mean, there. I think at that point Guns already had a reputation. Absolutely. Axel losing his shit, going, going on, on late. way late. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, hey, Faith No More, Metallica. We're going to be chilling in the dressing room, getting hammered, while the rest of the you guys deal with this. Yeah, getting hammered and lots of other stuff. Um, what else we got here? Uh, May twenty first, they premiered the Weber MA Rome video. Again, kind of like footage, live footage that would end up being sort of part of the second part of the year mm-hmm. and a half, but that's still not out yet. So right, still not out. That was still fresh content, if you will. Yep. Yeah, and that, and that was, you know, again, it, was, it wasn't it was anything like mind-blowing. It was awesome live footage, great song, of course, the song about the road, and, you mm-hmm. know, so fitting that it's footage of them on tour. Right. Um, and also fitting that they were in the middle of the, you know, 35-year tour of the Black Album. Also fitting that they were wearing Spanx. Spanx for nothing. You ever worn Spanx? Never. Do you know what that is? Yes. Okay. It's so kind of like tuck it in. Yeah. Like tuck in the... Such a nice way to say that. You should do a commercial for Spanx. Just kind of tuck it in. You know, I started wearing Spanx a couple of years ago, and I just wanted to tuck some things in. Hey, I want to talk to you guys about something real important to me. Spanx. <laughs> and shake weight. And the shake weight. Yeah. <laughs> Did you already read this July 5th one? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Metallica wraps up their six-month U.S. headlining tour. Uh, yeah, we've talked about this a bunch. They toured their asses off for well, this Well, check record, this so. out. So they finished their tour mm-hmm. July 5th. July 17th, they start the 25-day yeah. Guns tour. Yeah, we we just toured for six months. We're going to take like two weeks or something. barely any time off and go right. out on this thing. That's going to be even more of a headache. It's a unique thing to have a group of people, not only the four boys, but their, their whole team, that mm-hmm. are willing to commit to that yeah you know if if james for example had more of the mentality he has now where he's like look there's no fucking way after a six-month tour i'm gonna go out for four more months yeah a week later it's cool that at that time they were just 
in their relationships. They didn't have kids. They were well. They young were all. Div- they were. They were. Three they of got, them were divorced, and James wasn't even married. And let, let's face it, they were having a good time. Yeah, they were having a great time. It was time to go, yeah. and they went. Yeah, you know, plain and simple. Uh, so the tour starts July seventeenth um, in Washington at the RFK Stadium. Twenty five dates. It lasted several months. It was fraught with with peril, as we'll get to on a later episode. August 8th, we all know of this event. James catches fire during Fade to Black in Montreal. Had second and third degree burns. Uh, Guns N' Roses could have come on early, saved the day. Instead, Axel pitched a fucking fit again. Came on super late. Only played nine songs. Left again. There was a riot. Riot ensues. Yeah. Uh, August 25th, the tour resumes with John Marshall on guitar. Once again, saving the day. He's, John Marshall. He is the dude. He's the dude. We got to try to get him on the show, man. We should, yeah. That'd be awesome. I wonder what he's up to. John? John. John. Hold on, this might be him. Hold on. Hang on. Come in. Come in. John? John. Paul. Paul. John? Pawn? I'm going to show the listeners right now who are like watching the video. I'm wearing my Paul shirt. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Now, you can't even buy these anymore. That's over. That's over. If you didn't get one, you fucking blew it. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> what you do we got blew here? It. Uh, September 9th, Metallica wins the VMA for Best Hard Rock Video for Enter Sandman. Also nominated for Best Cinematography and Best Editing. All right. I'm not sure if it deserves those. But that's, of course, Wayne Isham's first jaunt. We've got yeah. several episodes, I think three, on all the music videos up through Death Magnetic. Yes. So uh, we'll refer you to those for all the deets. October 5th, the premiere of the Sabbath True video. October 19th, the Wherever I May Roam singles released. Uh, the live tracks were on the various singles were recorded at the, they were from the Moscow show. Yeah. So the Moscow show is kind of getting out there. Yep. And then lastly, the last notable event, uh, and of course the boys were at this point, um, after the guns tour went to Europe and spent pretty much the end of the year kicking ass in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. November 17th, year and a half in the life Metallica doc part one and two released on video home single video home. Uh, what did VHS stand for? Video home. Tornado of of Souls Typhoon of Souls Eye of the Typhoon of Souls Um, Eye on the Tiger And it started to look Video Home System Video Home System Got it But it's not a system It's a tape to be played on a a VCR There's a Yeah What does VCR stand for? Let's just get to the fucking bottom of this God damn it I know Alright Come on Eason. Video home system is a standard for consumer level analog video recording on cassette, uh, tape tape cassettes. Uh, okay, where is VHS? We know it. VHS. Or, I mean, uh, I mean v- uh, VCR. What does VCR? Video, video, cas- video cassette recorders. Okay, yeah. right on. Jesus. Yeah. It's amazing how overall that is. I know, totally is. Although people do cassette, c- collect VHS. Some bands are still making cassettes because it's kind of cool. And it was definitely cool at Aust- at uh, fucking South by Southwest. I've been. Uh, I got a new car and uh, not like a new car, a new car for me. Yeah. And um, I've been buying CDs. Yeah. I still have a lot of my old CDs, but not as many as I thought. But I've been buying CDs so I can just slow down, listen to the whole record in the car. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun, like on my travels when I go to a record store. Most record yeah. stores are kind of combined with CDs and tapes now, and just buying the entire Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, there and it just is. Listening to it in my car. There it is. I can't go a single episode without mentioning it. I know. I I, I appreciate it's that. It's a big part of my life right yeah, now. That's great, and I appreciate you sharing with me <laughs> and the world. <laughs> 
Well, do we want to say anything before we split? What's what do we got coming up? What's just, going on? Just so, don't mainly don't forget about the the, the anniversary slash pre Metallica party on January twenty third, two thousand nineteen. Look, you're going to want to be there. You're going to want to be there. What can we say? I mean, what else to say? Hit us up at melodypodcastshow@gmail.com. We're on the socials. Uh, go to Patreon. Get involved there. Yeah, you, we're videoing the content now. You're going to get to see that early. You're, we're doing our Ray Burton interview for our hundredth episode. Yep, you can hear that. Up. You can hear that interview right now if you become a patron. That's right. Just give a dollar. If you can't do that, we totally get it. Go leave us the iTunes review. Go tell a buddy about it. We love you guys. We hope you're well. We're excited about the Metal Tales from the Road series. About to kick up again. Yep. Uh, as the boys do their next two weeks of touring. And uh, God damn it, we'll see you on the flip flop. God, fine. Peace. Adios. If you were our advisor, what would you say? And then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>